Welcome to TTM Cast One on One with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one on one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. Here's our host, Jeff Baker, with this week's interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast One on One, our Wednesday show. We are doing two shows a week now, guys, so hopefully you're enjoying it. It is February 8th, 2023. We got Super Bowl weekend coming up. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm joined by, I don't know, the best content, content creator out there from Dallas, Texas. I'm talking, of course, about Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew, how you doing on your videos, your, your your weekly videos? Good until this week. I mean, last week I didn't get anything in the mail, so it's like I have nothing to make a video of, so I kind of took that week off. But uh, fortunately, I did at least get a TTM in yesterday. We'll talk about that more on Saturday, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I will at least have a video this week, so that's uh, that's a relief. Yeah, I actually got two TTM. I didn't, did, didn't get anything on Monday, which is weird because I usually Monday's usually a big mail day for me. Yeah. But I got two. I got two on um, today. I got one from Chaz McCormick, the Houston uh, Astros outfielder. Okay. On the 2022 card. And then I got uh, John Roach, who was uh, played in the ABA with the Kentucky Colonels. Nice. And I got him on a 74 tops card. So I got I got two so far, which is nice. And I, I just sent out uh, 10 baseball ones, 1986, 87 guys. Nice. So we'll see how we're doing on that. How you doing? You've been doing uh, any TTMs this week? Yeah, I just dropped nine in the mail earlier today and awesome. uh, ran down to the post office to get some international stamps because the ones that I ordered to send uh, for Canada, Mexico, and the Czech Republic all came in. So oh, I can good. those out here real quick. And I got to say, huge thumbs up to the Czech post office. Because with whenever you buy stamps from like the U.S. post office, they basically typically get like kind of thrown into an envelope and, hey, hope they get to you just fine without getting bent up or anything like that. The ones I got from over in the Czech Republic, they took them and they packaged them inside an envelope then inside of cardboard, then inside of a catalog of check stamps. Wow. Then inside of more cardboard, wrapped in paper, wrapped in another envelope. So they I took see. that seriously. And yeah, they got here just fine and everything. And I mean, it only took, what, a week, a week and a half, something like that to get here from over there. So real happy with the uh, postal service there in the Czech Republic. And uh, yeah, I've got at least two that I'll be mailing over there and enough stamps to do three more after that. Yeah, well, I just got uh, Dave Bell from Edmonton. He sent me a, a copy of his book that we're going to raffle off this week on Saturday. We'll give it away. And he um, he sent it to me, and it took about a week to 10 days to mm-hmm. get to me. So, guys, if you want to win a copy of Dave Bell's book, it's a, it's Spotting Fakes, Frauds, and Myths. It's a, it's a kind of cool little book. Uh, just send an email to? TTMcast at yahoo.com. And we'll put Bell book in the subject line. We've got a, we've got a bunch of people registered already. We're going to give that away on Saturday. So, uh, and speaking of authors, we have author Doug Wedge today. Doug Wedge is a author, right? Baseball books, and uh, he wrote this cool book about uh, Pinnacles on the Mound. It's all about Cy Young award winners. He talked to ten Cy Young award winners and talked to them, uh, you know, about their career, about. Uh, their Cy Young season and what made that special, and it's a really it's a really fun book to to uh, read. And we're going to talk to Doug about his uh, writing the book, and we talked to him about each and every one of the ten guys he spoke with. So stick around with that, um, Drew. I think we're ready to bat leadoff. Batting leadoff. Right. 
Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. <laughs> we got to get the echo dude drew i gotta figure out how to get an echo you know like yeah yeah we got we maybe even just like record a drop or something like that for it just you know hit the button and boom there yeah well i we have a drop we have a new drop so my my uh, uh my daughter who does our voiceovers did the, did the drop for me uh, the other day so we do have a, a batting lead off drop but uh, nice. we gotta do we gotta do something my friend we'll throw an echo onto hers or something like that I go. know. Speaking speaking of uh, special stuff, I'm still waiting for the the TTM cast j- jingle from from uh, Beethoven's Bastard. Yeah, I I haven't been able to come up with any any ideas for it. I mentioned it to uh, our main songwriter. Stuff. He's like, oh yeah, hey, that sounds like a great idea. And then he never touched it for like what a year and a half now. I All think. right, well let's let's get on it, guys. Speaking of Beethoven's Bastard, if you like our intro music, that's uh, Drew's band. He plays drum on it. It's called Lil Help. He's got uh, three songs out now, Drew. Uh, we're up to four. We just put out um, "Frustrated Boy" this past uh, this past weekend. So if you want to, the, these guys rock. Go check them out. Beethoven's Bastards anywhere music is available. Right on on uh, Spotify and all the places we can get music. Yep, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, um, you name it. It's it's out there somewhere. Check it out, Beethoven's Bastards, and they are they do our intro and, and closing songs. But I want a custom I want a custom TTM cast song so if there's any songwriters out there and want to try to try some uh do the words for it and, and drew's guys can do the do the music you want to you want to be a, a a published songwriter <laughs> we're looking for for a uh a lead-in jingle all right guys that's what we're looking for so no we're not we're not paying you but <laughs> we'll give you we'll give you a t-shirt or something <laughs> exactly all right drew the thing that we do the worst picking football games who do you like? Super Bowl pick. I think Kansas City is uh, like a two-point favorite underdog. I mean, two-point underdog, right? Isn't that where really? where it is? I haven't looked. I haven't checked the line at all. I'm just uh, just kind of sitting back all and right, watching. Well, let's play no spread, right? No spread. Okay. Who do you who do you like in uh, in the Super Bowl on Sunday? I like Kansas City just because of. I mean, I'm going to be cheering for them at least because I mean, number one, my friend Aubrey that I mentioned before, she's from Kansas City, so. Uh, the whole group of us here are going to be going for the Chiefs, I'm pretty sure. But, I mean, they're just a fun team to watch out there. I mean, you never know what they're going to toss out there. They're going to, you know, running back's going to throw a ball at some point or something. But uh, yep. you never know what you're going to get from them. They're just a fun team to watch. And I think the experience factor at this point is really going to help them out. I mean, this is going to be, what, their third Super Bowl in four years. So yep. don't underestimate that. I have the Chiefs in a close game by uh, seven or less. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close as well. I actually think it's going to be kind of like a – 31 to 28 type of game like that mm-hmm. i think this i don't think it's you know we've had some of these defensive battle ga- games that, that aren't as entertaining i think this one's going to be really entertaining and, I, and i'm so good at picking games and i like kansas city as well so you and i will both re- be rooting for kansas city and uh looking forward to the super bowl what are you, are you doing anything fun for the, the game probably not i mean my wife uh has to be up super early every morning for work so we're not going to be going out anywhere i don't think we were Usually we go and we watch it over with Aubrey. And uh, the problem is, though, that it's about an hour drive out to her place or back from her place. So yep. 
when the game gets done at nine o'clock, we're back home by 10 o'clock. And that's like an hour and a half after my wife's usually shutting down. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're just going to watch from home. I think. Yeah. My wife always makes uh, chicken wings and some appetizers and stuff. And we'll probably just watch it from home. Well, Drew, we have a national holiday coming up on the, the 15th. Yep. I'm not talking president's day. I'm not talking Valentine's day. What am I talking, Drew? Tops release day. Tops release day. <laughs> it is always one of my favorite days of the year. Um, it, Hobby boxes are going for about $89, which is nice. The The prices come down. Uh, I think Tops realizes and Fanatics realizes um, they might have overproduced last year in, in 2022. Um, there seem to be a lot of Tops baseball cards on the shelf still. Have you seen that as well? I have, yeah. A lot of stuff out there still. I mean, I was just at Walmart the other day, and I could have easily grabbed a box of either Archives or uh, Alan Ginter there when I was out there. So, yeah, yeah there's still stuff there. Heritage, there's tons of high number of heritage everywhere, which is which is a shame because I love heritage. I hope they don't discontinue that. But uh, Hobby Box, uh, about eighty nine dollars, two thousand twenty three Top Series one coming out February fifteenth. Um, I may or may not be getting it. I, I was initially I was going to get it, but but uh, we we made a little we made a a dip into the bank account for for next week, so <laughs> we might have to wait a couple of weeks before we pick up some some extra uh, cards. Hey, uh, NHL uh, All Star Game and the Pro Bowl was this past weekend. Um, I spoke with Clemente Lise on um, about it, and he, we're going to play Clemente's interview on Saturday. So make sure you tune into that. Clemente is a huge hockey guy, and we talked Pro Bowl and All Star Game. But I just wanted to get your feeling on, on both the events. I like the Pro Bowl stuff. I thought, uh, I mean, was, I think this isn't the first time they've done that flag football game for it. So yep. I thought that was kind of cool that they did it like that instead. And I mean, the players in the Pro Bowl for the last few years have not taken it even remotely seriously. You'll have guys playing you know, both sides of the ball. You'll have kickers doing an onside kick off their heel and stuff and just all sorts of random things like that. And it's like, all right, you know what? If you're not going to take the game seriously, let's turn it into a flag football game. I love that they did with that. The NHL All-Star Game, though, God, I love the three-on-three format. I think that's great the way they do it there on Saturday of it. But, God, the skills competition this year was a disaster. Wasn't it? I could not. I mean, I got so tired of watching it. I mean, it was on in the background. Even then, I'm like, God, find something else. Just, I mean, and nobody, nobody liked it from what I could see at all, anywhere. Yeah, it's too bad that they had a schedule the same weekend as the Pro Bowl because the NHL, I don't, I'm not quite sure they need the marketing wizard in charge because you know i know well what they're gonna like well we better we had to do it during the nfl playoffs division playoffs or the super bowl or maybe just wait do it the week after the super bowl you know what i mean this yeah. is to do to fight the pro bowl didn't make much sense and uh you know flipping the channels it was so cold here this past weekend so no you know it wasn't going out on especially on saturday and there was just so much. It was like, oh, Pro Bowl. Oh, NHL All-Star. Oh, Pro Bowl. NHL. It, it was hard to keep track of both of them, you know, and that yeah. all that skill stuff, the knocking of the surfboards and the dunk tank. And I don't know. I just I miss the days of East West, you know, East West, yeah. East plays West. You know who you root for. You root, you're, you know, if you're, if you're from the West, you root for the West. If you're from the East, you root for the East. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. This is, they, you know, the NHL has these crazy divisions that don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. 
and so I don't know. It's uh, I, I I was when I was uh, when talking to Clemente about it, I felt like an old fuddy duddy because I'm <laughs> I'm harking back to the days when you, you know you, you had East West and you got to watch the guys and you know who cares if it was a nine to seven game or or you know it never was twenty one to fifteen. It was always you know it was like under ten usually, right? Typically, uh, once you got to the last few years, I remember there was a couple of years ago where the, one of the teams hit twenty two and one. It's like. Yeah, no, right, but this, in this the seventies, I'm talking about the seventies. They they oh, were yeah. always they were they were always played pretty well. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you need to you need to make the game mean something. I think. I mean, I, as much as people like complaining about baseball deciding on home field at the World Series from an All Star game, at least that made sure that game meant something. And you can't really do it with the NFL Pro Bowl because I mean that's at the very end of the season. So it's like, what can you really decide from that? But the NHL All Star game, I it needs to mean something, or else I'm just gonna. I mean, I've I just lost a lot of interest in it over the years. Yeah, I have too. Maybe just when you get older. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, because we see these teams all the time now, you know what I mean? There's not, a, there's not an NHL game that's on that if you want to watch it, you can watch it someplace. You can find it someplace. Do you know what I mean? So so if I want to watch Edmonton against the LA Kings, I can watch it. But in the old days, I saw the LA Kings once. I saw Edmonton once, and I'm sure you know. You went, remember when you were in school here in Boston? You didn't. You didn't see those guys every every day. They 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 were never happened. And when and when they had games from the coast in the 70s, that was like the, it was coming from uh, Jupiter or Mars. Yeah, <laughs> it was I mean that's that's the great thing about you know going back through like all the uh, hockey fight DVDs that I've got here, stuff from the 70s from Vancouver and. Uh, well, Vancouver, LA, Edmonton, anything like that was usually pretty rare until you hit the 80s or so when satellite became a big thing. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, and even just seeing games in person, just like you said there, until the 0405 lockout happened, you would see the uh, out on the East Coast there, you would see the opposite conferences, divisions once every three years. You'd get, you know, one division in at your place, one division you play out at their place, and one division you wouldn't play at all that. You don't kind of rotate around for those the following three years. Right. So there's a lot of things you didn't see if you're going to the games in person. Right. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, if I want to watch Marcel Dion or Bobby Hall or some of these uh, some of these other guys from from the Western Western uh, conferences, you know, it, well, you'd have you'd have to go watch them on the All Star game because they, yep. the games weren't on. But it is what it is. Hey, um, from our friends at Gemrate, we have some grading numbers to let you guys know about. We do indeed. Updates here from the past week. PSA booming. They had 297,200 cards they graded there between the uh, 30th and the 5th. That is a 52% increase over their previous week. Uh, CSG's numbers down a bit, 45% uh, decrease there to 23,200. Their sale came to an end here recently, so they made, you know a lot of people kind of cutting back there after that. Uh, SGC, 20,500. It's a 14% increase, and Beckett seeing a major drop. 49% down to 11,400 cards graded last week. But we also here in the DFW area where Beckett is located had some significant weather. So I wouldn't surprise me if they were closed down for a day or two during that. Yeah. And guys, those numbers are um, sports cards in um, what are they, what are they called? The other kind of grading like Pokemon and all uh, the gaming things. cards, gaming, gaming cards. cards. Yeah. So those, those are all inclusive, um, but it just gives you kind of an idea. There's still what was this, 300, 350,000 cards got graded yeah, yeah. Over, over the over the week so it's still a pretty good number um we have a response remember we talked about panini and the babe ruth auto cut autograph card um yeah. that it ended up being a george brett autograph card autograph that was inserted in a babe ruth card and they found they found the the babe ruth 
autograph in somebody else in somebody else's card. I forget what the card was. I don't know if it was George Bird or not. But anyway, Panini has responded to the error there. They said it was an assembly error, so they're blaming they're blaming somebody that makes ten dollars an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> and it was an assembly error invol involving a Babe Ruth cut auto from the 2022 National Treasures Baseball. It was recently brought to their attention. They contacted contacted the collector. Uh, they received uh, the original card, created a new card with a, a new Babe Ruth cut auto, and it's shipping out to the collector this week. So hopefully everyone's happy. Uh, you know, Panini has egg on their face, right? Um, it's yeah, they're getting dragged over the coals in a few groups uh, on Facebook and everything. But yeah, they, they made it right. They did what they could, at least. Right. They did, exactly. They did what they could. And I'm sure they don't have Babe Ruth autographs just sitting around. So it probably cost them a pretty, you know, couple thousand dollars plus. And then publicity wise and PR wise, it cost them a lot. Yeah. Uh, both Panini and Tops have had a tough couple months, right? Couple yeah, months. exactly. It's uh, but I mean, all they can do is really just you know do what you can to make it right. And I think Panini did all they really could in this situation. I mean. Obviously, the best, uh, say, a uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. But I mean, sometimes you just gotta, you know, throw the cure at it there. And I think they did a pretty decent job with this. Yeah, and I I hope both companies um, slow down a little and, and figure out that it's, you know, it's great to get these cards up, but you got to get it right. It's, you know, right. it's people are investing money. They're spending a lot of money on some of these boxes. Um, I've seen, you know, in addition to Panini, I saw Tops that they had a card that was supposed to be autographed and there was no autograph in it. You know what I mean? So there, there's a lot, a lot of, so we get, we, we have a, a our fan, our best, uh, our best fan. And Drew's cat yep, has yep. entered, entered Callie the just decided break. to jump up on here and watch. <laughs> so, yep. Cat is feeling much better. I'm glad to hear. How's the new I, car doing? It's great. Yeah. It's been really good. My wife's got it today. She's uh, that's the, that's the thing. She works outside of here. So she gets to have the good car. So I mean, the Toyota is still nice, but yeah, it's been really uh, running well. It's been great having that. So, yeah, really liking it. Very cool. Well, guys, I think we'll go right in. We'll get right into our interview. All right, Drew? Yeah, sounds good. So I, I interviewed Doug Wedge. Doug Wedge is a, wrote a new book. He's a baseball author. And the name of the book is called Pinnacle on the Mound. And it's the Cy Young uh, winners, previous Cy Young winners talking baseball. And it's a really fun book. And uh, we talked to Doug about you know, writing the book and so a couple of books that he's written as well but we also run down each of the 10 people that he featured in the book and, and uh his thoughts on him and i think he, doug was really forthcoming and it was a really fun interview so please enjoy my interview with author doug wedge but first here's a message from our friends at csg this week's interview is brought to you by certified sports guarantee csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading CSG has new lower prices for 2023. That's right, CSG has new lower prices on its most popular tiers, while continuing to offer top-of-the-line service and the best slabs in the industry. With CSG's expertise, slabs, and pricing collectors will love, now is the time to submit your sports cards. See the CSG difference and submit your cards today. Go to csgcards.com to submit your cards for quick turnaround times and the best prices in the hobby. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com. 
All right, guys, it's time for a little hot stove action. It's hot stove action in this cold winter. We are going to talk to Doug Wedge. Doug, Doug Wedge wrote a, a new book. It's called Pinnacles on the Mound, Cy Young Award Winners Talk Baseball. And, guys, it's a fabulous book. Uh, Doug has written a couple other books, but uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. This came out last year. And uh, welcome to the program, Doug. Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me. I, I, I really appreciate that you read the book and you have such kind things to say about it. Thank you. You're welcome, Doug. Anytime I can talk baseball, it's great. But when in a cold winter day, talking a little baseball, it's just nothing better. I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Well, before we get into the the, the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty of the, the book, why did you decide to focus on Cy Young winners? And how did you determine uh, who the 10 pitchers you were going to feature in the in the book? Well, um, the, the first uh, book that I wrote was called um, The Cy Young Catcher. And uh, it was uh, with um, a catcher named uh, Charlie O'Brien. Yeah, he, uh, he caught for the Rangers, right? Uh, he, he caught for just about everybody in the uh, major leagues. I think he played for like eight or nine teams, um, played for 15 years. And in the course of his career, he caught 13 guys who won the Cy Young Award. And so in, in that book, you know, we, we got the, the, his perspective of what it was like working with Jack McDowell, what it was like working with Doc Gooden, Greg Maddox. And uh, as we were working on it, I just thought, you know, it'd kind of be cool to like do a flip of it and uh, maybe talk with uh, some of the pitchers who won the Cy Young Award and get their perspective on, you know, what was it like when you were the very best at your craft, when you were at the, you know, you were at the peak of performance and you were recognized as you, you are, you know, you, you're, you're doing all the work, you're doing all the prep work, and you're achieving exceptional results. What's that like? What did you do to get there? And pitching is kind of strange, isn't it? Because it, it is very, it's like golf, right? You, you become, you, you, you're, you're on for a certain amount of time and then you got to go refine, you got to find it again. And a lot of times these guys, you know, they're, they're great for that one season and, and then they have trouble rekindling that. Did, did you find that when you're talking to these guys? I mean, some of them, you know, ran into injuries, you know, uh, Randy Jones is, uh, comes to mind, you know, the, he won it, the Cy Young Award in 1976 and you know, he threw like over 300 something innings. I think he threw like 323 innings. I, we can look it up on baseball reference, you know, but uh, at the very, his last start of the season, you know, he snapped a, a nerve in his arm and, you know, it just impacted how he was able to, to pitch. Now he went on to pitch, you know, um, I think like another like five or six years in the big yep. leagues, but you know, if, if you, if you have an injury, like Jack McDowell, same thing, you know, he went in to have some arthroscopic surgery on his elbow and um, it, you know, he, he, he didn't recover from the injury and, you know, you're just, if, if you're, if your arm's compromised, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, go out and you know, win 20 games and have an ERA of, you know, 2.5 and be the league leader at, you know, whatever. You know, it's funny because uh, we just lost uh, Bill Campbell, who was a, a great mm -hmm. relief pitcher. And, you know, he was a fireman uh, winner in 76 and 77. And then he never regained it. He, he hurt his arm at the beginning of 78 and he just never regained it. But he had a 15 year career. So these guys do find a place. Oh, sure. Most definitely. Well, you know what? Uh, before we get into the, the the running down each guy that you featured, is there yeah. one common thread that these guys had that you, you found? Is there one thing that, that made them 
um, special or, or something that they that uh, you know was, was common ground through the whole through the whole ten guys that you talked to? Yeah. Um, uh, spoiler alert. You know the the last chapter. You know, kind of talks about some of those common threads. You know, it's it's not like there's like you know one recipe to follow, and if you you know do this like if you run you know 100 poles and then you know run uh pass patterns during the off season and then if you have a great relationship with your catcher if you know you follow these you know four or five steps then you're going to be guaranteed to you know be um a top-notch pitcher but um a lot of these guys did i mean they 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 displayed a lot of the uh, similar qualities um, that that it helped them achieve success. One of them that I can think of is um, the ability to adapt. You know, Mike McCormick, um, he's uh, the second chapter in the book. He suffered an injury, a shoulder injury. And, you know, at one point he was one of the best pitchers in the National League. Um, and then because his shoulders compromised, you know, he's, he's not. He's traded, yeah. he's demoted to the minor leagues. And um, he, he works his way back to the big leagues. And, you know, his his uh, bullpen coach or uh, George Susie was like, you know what, you, you ought to learn an off-speed pitch. Why don't I teach you the screwball? You know, he had never, McCormick had never thrown the screwball before, you know? And so they just spent hours out, you know, on the uh, outfield grass before a game, you know, and Susie saying, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over, you know, just practicing that, you know, that, uh, that release of, that's so funky. I mean, I've never thrown a screwball, but I mean, it doesn't, you, you supinate your wrist, you, you, you throw it to the outside. It must be a bitch to hit because no one can hit that. Yes. Well, and he achieved great success with it, you know, but I mean, I, same thing with Ari Dickey, you know, he was, he was here in Oklahoma city, you know, pitching triple a for the, uh, the Rangers uh, farm team, the Oklahoma red Hawks. And go back and forth, back and forth, big leagues, minor leagues, big leagues, minor leagues. And then Buck Showalter, and Earl Hershiser sat him down and said, you know, we think that your best chance for success is to become a full-time knuckleball pitcher, you know? And so he, you know, dropped conventional pitching and all that he had been working on for, you know, from little league to high school, to college, to professional baseball, and had to like relearn. I mean, he, he described it as like, you know, it's almost like becoming a, going from conventional pitching to knuckleball pitching. It's almost like you're right-handed, Okay, we'll put the pin in your left hand and start from scratch. Start yeah. writing because I mean it's just totally different. But I mean I love that these guys, both McCormick, Dickey, others, you know, they had the willingness to try something new that somebody suggested to them, and you know it was had to be uncomfortable as hell. You know, using the analogy of like going from a right hander to a left hander, you know. But they, all of them, worked through that discomfort. Randy Jones learned a new pitch, for instance. I mean, all of them, you know. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think that willingness to adapt, I think it's just something, I think it's important for, I, I just think it's important, period. I think it's important in, in a workplace, if you're a student, if you're an athlete, you just have to have a willingness to maybe like, you know, we'll, we've always done things a certain way. You might have, you know, might you need to be open to trying something new because it might take, you know, what was, good to great to great yeah did you uh, you wrote this during covid did you have a chance to sit down with with these guys these 10 guys or did you do most of your interviewing uh in zoom and did you meet them uh on numerous occasions and, and were they uh pretty open with their time 
I, I, I actually wrote it over the span. I think I started it in 2012. Okay. And then it was published in um, 2022. Um, most of the interviews were in person. Um, like I flew up to Boston to interview Jim Lomborg. And I interviewed uh, Dr. Lomborg. He's a, uh, I think he's retired now. I think I, I think I interviewed him in 2015 at his um, dentist office, you know? And uh, hopefully you just, weren't in the chair. <laughs> I was not in the chair. It was a Sunday morning and, you know, there was no, no pay. He's just, you know, sipping orange juice and we're in the, the waiting room. And, you know, the waiting room, I mean, I think it had like a, a Red Sox calendar or, you know, schedule of games for, you know, 2015. But I mean, you go in there and there's no, you do not get the vibe of like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, one of the all time great Boston Red Sox pitchers. I mean, it was just like a regular dentist office, you know, and we chatted for, you know, probably an hour and a half, two hours of, you know, looking back on 1967 and also asked him some uh, questions about his career. Um, I interviewed Dennis Eckersley by phone and Corey Kluber by phone, but everybody else like Ron Guidry, I drove down to Scott, Louisiana and uh, spent a Saturday morning. He has a, a barn on his uh, property and uh, has all these, he's a big hunter, um, has all these uh, ducks and I'm not a hunter, so I don't know all this stuff, you know, but it had all these, you know, birds that he had um, uh, uh, harvested, I guess is the right word. And then, you know, had them stuffed and, you know, he's going through saying like, yeah, I got that one when I was 12 years old, got this one when I was, you know, 47 and, you know, um, and it's just fun to like get the person to person because I kind of get a feel for like all right these questions are kind of lame or you know yeah. I'm you know, he's, he's losing interest I need to you know change directions or you know maybe we just need to take a break and you know come back in five or ten minutes you know so I, I just like the personal you know well, we're speaking with Doug Wedge Doug Wedge is an author he's written a new book it's called Pinnacle on the Mound it is the Cy Young Award winners talk baseball and we're going to talk to uh, we're talking Doug about his brand new book. And I think we'll just run down this 10 Cy Young winners that he uh, interviewed with uh, in person, a couple via, via the phone. Let's well, just run down the, the, the chapters and you give me their, your impressions of, of these guys as a person, not as necessarily as an athlete, but uh, the, the vibe you got from them and, and what you took away from the interview, if that's okay. Sure. Well, the, the first one was Jim Lomborg. Jim Lomborg, um, yep. 1967, he won the Cy Young Award when he was pitching for the Red Sox. Um, he just struck me as very, as a gentleman. He struck me as a, uh, a Renaissance man. He has lots of interests. He, he enjoys gardening. I think he's active with Catholic charities in the Boston area. Um, he enjoys skiing. He likes to go out to, you know, Scotland to play golf. I mean, he's just, a, a, he's, a, he's very well read. Um, you know, he, he liked um, traveling when uh, he was a, a major league player because, you know, that meant that if, you know, uh, while he was in Philadelphia, he could check out all the great museums in Philadelphia. You know, if, if he's in New York, he can, you know, stop by all the great museums in New York. Um, just a very um, kind man and very, um, very, very intelligent man. You know, good Lord, he went back to medical school after, um, or, or dentistry school after he retired from baseball. Um, something that stood out with, um, uh, Lomborg was uh, just this, it had a talking about the 1967 Red Sox. It just seemed like there was a really cool collective team atmosphere 
that not only did the players gel well, now he did say that the manager, Dick Williams, could be a bit gruff and sarcastic. Um, I think that's and, an understatement, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> but he said, you know, also said that, you know, like the riders that followed the team, it was like this like big, happy family. You know, after a game, it'd be 20 players going to the same restaurant or same bar to grab a drink, you know? And I just, I liked that, that cool spirit that he was describing. I just, I, that, that resonated with me. Very nice. Now, next one, uh, chapter was on Mike McCormick. And I didn't know much about my, Mike McCormick. We lost him fairly recently, about two years ago, I believe. Yeah, um, it was during COVID. Yeah, but I didn't know much about him. What, what was your feelings uh, about uh, Mike McCormick? Oh, just a sweet, kind man. I'm, he moved to outside of Charlotte, uh, Lake Norman, uh, North Carolina, and I met him at a, uh, a coffee shop there. And uh, it was funny. He uh, he was ta- talking about the screwball. And, you know, and I asked, you know, I'm from Oklahoma and Carl Hubble's a big screw. He's from sure. Oklahoma, big screwball pitcher. And he was talking about how Hubble's arm was you know, permanently crooked from throwing so many screwballs. And then he extended his um, arm out and showed that, you know, yeah, he had a crook in his arm too. <laughs> so many of them. He, I thought, I, I mean, he was just a cool guy that you want to like hang out with and like just shoot the breeze with. Um, he, he's a great athlete. You know, he ran a couple of marathons after his playing career ended. He was a golfer. Um he was signed as a bonus baby, like right out of high school. Yep. From so, the Giants, right? By the New York yeah, Giants. Yeah. Yeah. So he graduated high school in 1957 in like, let's say May. And in August, he's a New York Giant, you know, and he was just talking about how, it, you know, all these different pitchers. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Johnny. Oh, shoot. I can't believe him. I'm forgetting his name. Oh bugging me um uh but uh all these older veterans kind of took him under under you know their wing and showed him how to be a big leaguer you know taught him how to dress taught him how to behave yeah taught him you know all like the social niceties and you know like what 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 should you do what should you not do um and uh i mean he was talking i mean it was just kind of funny it seemed foreign to me he was talking about going on road trips to like st louis stay in a hotel where it's, you know, hot as 18 hills and like, <laughs> there's no air conditioning. Right. They played in a different, together. they really played in a different time. Right. That was, that, that was yeah. uh, before the money really came into the game. Yeah. I mean, he'd get a sheet and like, you know, take it to the bathroom, run it under the tub and cold water on it. And, you know, and you'd sleep under that damp sheet. That that was your air conditioning. That's what cooled you <laughs> off in St. Louis. And I'm just like, seriously? I mean, that just seems like, you know, bygone times. But anyway. Well, that, chapter three was Randy Jones. Randy Jones, of course, uh, pitched for the San Diego Padres, some really bad San Diego Padres teams. But uh, he was one of those eating inning eaters, right? The kind of out of the Wilbur Wood uh, mold that they would just go and they'd start 35 or 40 games and uh, pitch a ton of innings. But Randy Jones really... Uh, did something winning a Cy Young with the Padres. Uh, and he's really big uh, nowadays in terms of on the circuit of signing cards. He's a big uh, autograph guy. Uh, what was your feelings on Randy Jones? Very kind, very accessible, very approachable. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he was, I met him before a Padres game. And so we, we chatted at a, a box in uh, Petco Park, um, which is a really nice ballpark. They have tons of craft beer options. I, I, I've not been to all the big league parks, but I'm like, you know, this, 
San Diego has really got it figured out for um, craft beer offerings at a ball game. Um, but uh, Randy was, um, I, I liked, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about there's like not one recipe to follow to achieve yeah. success. It's not like you have to have a hundred mile an hour um, fastball to, you know, blast it past people. You know, he, he threw an off speed pitch. He didn't throw fast. He threw, you know, 70 some odd miles an hour. And he was able to, you know, throw off hitters timing. He evaluated what hitters wanted. And he was like, all right, I'm going to throw you what you don't want. And, you know, he said that, you know, like some, some people like, you know, Pete Rose were just, you know, kind of ugly to him saying like, you know, come on, you got to throw it faster than 27 miles an hour. Or, you know, like, come on, come, come closer to the mound, you know, throw it. So it's like actually a fastball, you know, come, come closer to home plate, you know, he's kind of no, this is how I achieve success. And you know what, you can make fun of me all you want, but you know, like, I just got you out, you know, yeah. or, you know, I just threw three pitches and I got three ground ball outs and you know what I'm sitting down and you know, my team's hitting, you know? So. You I, know what's funny is when I, when I interview some of the, the former players, um, even the older guys, they still have that competitive nature in them. And they remember that one of bat against whoever, or the guy that hit the home run against them. Um, you know, did you notice that these guys are really, uh, you know, ingrained that competitiveness ingrained into them oh sure oh yeah no i mean they i mean it's been you know 40 50 years since they've or 30 years since they've played and you know they can still tell war stories and you can tell that i mean it's still very you know close to them you know some of them like lomborg you know i was like you know what are your thoughts looking back you know and he was like baseball is really not like a big part of my life you know I've, i've got my gardening that i need you know it's i don't mind you know listening to my transistor radio while I'm out doing yard work and, you know, tuning in with the game. That said, I mean, he also, you know, I remember he, I mean, he went, you know, he pitched, was it three or four games in the 1967 world series. And he was really able to go, you know, not at bat by at bat, but I mean, he was able to recall specific situations of, you know, Hey, I'm throwing to Lou Brock. And my first pitch is going to be inside because I'm backing him off because you know yep. what? This is my plate, not yours. You're going to feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, yeah it's, I, it's, I think that competitiveness still still is there. It's great to, to hear those guys talk. Uh, in Chapter 4, you talked about Ron Guidry, the Louisiana Lightning. He had a, probably the best season uh, of a pitcher in 1978 with the Yankees that – in the last 50 years, right? And that was a, a, an incredible season. But uh, Ron Guidry is another guy that, that signs readily through the mail. Um, oh, what was your what was your feelings on on Ron Guidry? I, I really, the thing that stood out um, uh, to me was his humility. Uh, you know, even though he was achieving great success, you know, winning, you know, I mean, let's say his record was, I don't know what it was by the all-star break. Let's say 13 and 0 or 13. Yeah, and I think he won right? like 25 games and I think he's 25 and three that yeah. season. Um, he was still going to, there were two coaches um, or among the coaching staff were uh, Yogi Berra and Elston Howard. So I, I forgot, you know, collectively how much catching experience, if you, you know, you combine those two careers, yep. let's say 40, 40 years, um, he was always going to them saying, what could I do to improve? What could I be doing better? And, you know, finally Barrow was like, dude, we've, you're the best. Right. We, <laughs> we can't help you anymore, you know? <laughs> um, but he was always, you know, ears open, eyes open, looking for suggestions, you know, Sparky Lyle and Dick Tidrow were um, when uh, 
Gidry first joined the Yankees, you know, Gidry was very much like, you know, I want to, I want to learn from you, you know, pardon me. Um, Lyle taught him a new titch, pitch. Tidrow taught him, you know, how to evaluate hitters. I mean, I just, I really, I really admire it when someone um, knows that they don't have all the answers and is willing to listen to the masters around them, uh, the mentors around them, and accept their advice. In that chapter five was Lamar Hoyt. We lost Lamar recently. He pitched for the uh, White Sox and the Padres, and he had some health concerns later in later in his career, right, and later in life. Uh, he had he had kind of a, a rough end of his life. What what did uh, L- what did you take away after interviewing Lamar Hoyt? He loved pitching, and he loved talking about pitching, and he had pitching dissected down to a fine art. I mean, he had it. So he's like, look, if I, you know, uh, you know, uh, get my hand and I, I wipe my brow with it and then I'm going to go to my pants and I'm going to uh, wipe my pointer finger off, but I'm going to keep my middle finger wet. Then I'm going to make the ball move this way. If I do that same gesture, but I go to the pants, but I keep the, you know, the, the uh, pointer finger wet and the middle finger dry ball's going to go that way. And it was just like, was it like wow. getting a doctoral uh, class in pitching when you, when you spoke to him? Oh, it really was. I mean, and, and I mean, it's so many things. I mean, I'm not an athlete and um, I'm not any good at baseball, but I mean, just hearing, hearing how he had like fine tuned it so well and just, and I mean, it, it really was a treat and it was very insightful and I'm, I'm glad I could, I'm, I'm glad I could chat with him and I'm, I'm glad that I could, you know, at least memorialize part of our conversation so that, you know, some, some of those um, pitching lessons learned, hopefully somebody will pick up the book and they'll be able to learn from, because I mean, he really was a huge resource of, of pitching knowledge. Chapter six was Dennis Eckersley. Of course, Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer. He won a 20 games as a starter. He was a, a, a great reliever with the Oakland A's. Uh, and he was probably one of the most colorful guys in baseball, right? He, he came up with his own language, you know, the walk-off home run. That was Dennis Eckersley yeah. and all, yeah. all the other Ecker, Eckersley-isms. We, get, we got, uh, got him as a broadcaster here in Boston, uh, and we got to hear a lot of his stories. Was Eckersley full of stories when you spoke with him? It was just delightful. Um, and, and I love, I mean, part of, um, I like the baseball slang and, um, or, you know, the nicknames and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, Eckersley is perfect. You know, he calls your hair moss and uh, I think beer's oil, I think, or I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, throwing so cheese was fat, throwing it fast. And he- yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he, you know, he was a very approachable person. Um, and I was a little intimidated, you know, he's a hall of famer and, you know, I, everybody knows Eckersley. Um, but he was very gracious with me and gra- gracious with his time and very, um, you know, some, some people you interview and they give um, kind of cliched answers or they're not really tuned in. Um, not so with Eckersley. I mean, he was very thoughtful in his responses. Um, I, I thought he shared something that was just very human um, that made me think like, God, you know, yeah, you could be a Hall of Famer, but you're you're a, a, a human being just the same as, you know, you and me, Jeff, you know, he was yeah. talking about his um being inducted to the hall of fame and he said you know i was just i mean i'm paraphrasing here he's like you know i was absolutely miserable the whole time i was up there because i was, <laughs> just, I was so anxious about making that induction speech 
And he's like, and you know, and of course they, they save that to the very end. And he's like, you know, I just wish that I could have like enjoyed the two or three days, you know, leading up to the induction. But, you know, he said the whole time, I'm just so nervous about having to get up in front of all these people and make this speech. And he's like, you know, it's kind of like a funeral, you know, because you know, that's a guy like Eckersley who's career. been, you know, has been in the forefront and in the media for, for 30 years. You know, he's, he's, he, he's, if he isn't comfortable doing something like that, you know, how are some of these other guys doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, I couldn't imagine doing it, you know, but I, I just know. thought, I thought that makes so much sense, you know, getting on, you know, being anxious and nervous and not being able to enjoy the moment. And he was like, you know, I just wish that I could have enjoyed it more. I just thought, wow, that, okay. You know, the, these, these heroes that, you know, we see on baseball cards or that, you know, we go, we pay 50 bucks to go into a game and watch them play. They're, they're human beings just like us, you know, with frailties and fears Chapter seven, you featured Jack McDowell, Black Jack McDowell. He was kind of um, a little counterculture, right? He was into uh, rock music and mm-hmm. he, did, he did things a little differently, but he was he pitched for the White Sox and the, and the Yankees and I think a couple other teams as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and how was Jack McDowell? Because um, he wasn't really he wasn't really um, friendly to the media, right? In, in his playing days, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I don't know. Um, he was super approachable with me. And I mean, I really did just want to like hang out and drink beer with him. And just, you know, he, he, he talked about music, you know, he, I think he could talk um, about music just as much as he could talk about baseball. Yep. Um, he loves talking baseball, um, but he loves music and he's still um, writing music and creating music. Um, he had a band when he was with the White Sox. I think he had two bands. One was View and then one was Stick Figure. Um, and actually, I think if you go, if you like become friends with him on Facebook, I think you can like still get some. I, last year, I bought a couple of stick figure CDs to when uh, the book, you know, I did just a couple of like uh, like signings or chats or whatever at, um, at bookstores in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Um, I, I gave I had like the signed CD from Jack McDowell's like a little like door prize giveaway. Nice. And it was like, you know, thank you for coming. You know, let's, you know, stick a name in the hat and, you know. What genre is it? What, what genre do they play? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Rock and roll or, or like, you know, like 90s alternative. Okay. And he's he has a good voice and he's a good guitar player. Um, I thought it was fun. He mentioned that like one of the, I guess, who was it? I think it was Ray Gun Magazine approached him. They're a music magazine when he's, you know, pitching in the, you know, early '90s, and they say, uh, "We want you to, we want you to do like an interview, uh, a musician." He's like, "I'll do it if you can get Paul Westerberg to do it." You know, Paul Westerberg from the Replacements, and he's like, "You know, that was the coolest thing ever." You know, I got to, <laughs> you know, I got to interview Paul Westerberg, and and he like, like I remember he he talked about. Uh, different cities that he liked to visit. He liked Minneapolis. You know, Minneapolis has a really great music scene. There was a a, uh, a restaurant there called the Loon Cafe. And uh, one of the members, uh, I think is the bass player for Soul Asylum, um, Carl Mueller, um, he, he worked as a cook there. And so uh, it was like, you know, he's able to meet Carl Mueller and, you know, because they're like, hey, Blackjack's here. So <laughs> he's, he's just a I, I really I enjoy Jack McDowell. I, any any time I would have a chance to drink a beer with him, I would. Very cool. We had chapter eight is Barry Zito. Barry Zito, of course, played for the Oakland A's. That's when it, where he won the his Cy Young. And Barry Zito was um, 
he's one of those guys that was kind of raised to be a pitcher, right? He he started, oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, his dad was was really coaching him when he was young, and uh, you know, some some of these guys kind of came up through through baseball, but Barry Zito seemed like he was going to be a pitcher when he when he came out of the womb. Oh yeah, yeah, and no, his dad was very much like, look, you're you know, you're going to go out and practice. And he's like, no, I want to go ride bikes with my friends. And he's like, no, if you want to be the best, you're going to put in the work. And, you know, um, his dad uh, connected uh, Barry with Randy Jones. And so they would, um, you know, Barry grew up in Southern California. Yep. Um, he took pitching lessons from Randy Jones for um, a number of years until, you know, Jones was like, I can't, I can't do anymore. I can't, I can't make you any better. you you've learned all all you can learn you know <laughs> you're going to the next level mm-hmm. right. chapter nine you you speak with Ari Dickey and Ari Dickey is just kind of the opposite right he kind of found like we were just talking about he found himself in the minor leagues and, and developed a, a knuckler and he was one of the few knuckleball pitchers other than probably Phil Necro and maybe Tim Wakefield who really captured the knuckleball maybe Wilbur Wood as well um r- r- how was Ray r- Ari Dickey and what what kind of What's the takeaway with Ari Dickey? Oh, Ari Dickey. I mean, his his story is just amazing. I love his story of resilience. Um, but you know, and, and I love you know, it, it, everybody had different ways of how they trained in the off season to prepare. You know, um, b- before they won the Cy Young Award, you know, um, Randy Jones went to like a you know a football field and ran uh, pass patterns. Uh, you know, through the football with his friend. Yeah. You know, uh, Lamar Hoyt loved a bicycle. Um, he, he'd be all around Columbia, South Carolina, bicycling all over the place, right? Um, Ari Dickey, the season before he won the Cy Young Award, he climbed um, Mount uh, Kilimanjaro. And so he, uh, he, he spent a lot of time, you know, wearing this like oxygen deprivation mask. And he had a backpack that had weights in it. And so, so he was ahead of his time, really. Training yeah. ahead of his time. Yeah. So he's prepping for this mountain climb, you know, which is a really cool metaphor, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's, you know, slowly one step at a time going in the right direction, going in the right direction, one, one foot forward, you know, but he literally, you know, climbed a mountain to um, raise money to uh, build a, a healthcare clinic in uh, India. Um, and I mean, that, that stuck out with me. He's also very articulate, very well read. I, I had like a reading list of books that, you know, things that he read in 2012 classics. Um, he also read um, the brothers K, which I had never read, but is just fan. It's a fantastic novel and it's a doorstop. I mean, it's probably like 750 pages. long. <laughs> um, but I mean, it combines like family, baseball, religion war i mean uh, love i mean all these like weighty topics and uh it's a really beautiful book and i i thank r.a dickey for um you know introducing me to um the brothers k fabulous novel chapter 10 is is our last uh, active player the, the the only active player in the in the book is, is Corey Kluber was a Cy Young winner with the Cleveland Indians, and he had a couple great years, and he went on to pitch with the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's pitching, going to pitch with the Red Sox this year, and hopefully he can recapture some of that, that magic. Um, what, what, what left you, what impression did, did Corey Kluber leave you? He's just very thoughtful and very um, methodical with how he prepares. Um, he, he's just uh, – uh, what, what is it? what's his nickname, Clubont, you know, but I mean, he's, he just seems like he's very, 
um, meticulous in his routine and how he goes about, you know, getting ready, you know, on that, on the day after he pitches, he has a routine on the second day after he pitches, he has another routine and he's just very methodical and gets the job done. Yeah. I mean, these guys, I think one of the things that, that you can take away from all 10 of these guys is that it's not just physical, right? Pitching is very mental and very cerebral so that these guys, um, you know, it, to be to get to that next level to be the greatest of a season or or you know to be make the majors leagues you have to have more than just physical talent uh, amen totally agree with you well we're talking with doug wedge doug wedge has a new book out it came out last year it got voted i believe one of the the top 10 uh, baseball books in sports collectors digest i think it was i remember seeing it there um and it is called pinnacle on the mound cy young award winners talk baseball and we, we went we just wrote down all the cy young winners that he spoke with um are you a collector at all doug did, did you collect autographs um cards or anything like that when, when you were a kid oh of course yeah i've uh yeah when i was a kid i had tons of baseball cards or and like i'd go down to um i grew up in oklahoma and uh it seemed like Texas, the Texas Rangers, they were the, uh, the closest, um, big league team. And so I remember one time I was in the, um, I rode an elevator, uh, stayed in the same hotel as the Red Sox and, um, rode on the elevator with Wade Boggs. And, uh, I just got like a huge kick out of that. And then like, there was another time with Wade Boggs when I was just in the lobby and, um, he had like a little briefcase with him, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I approached him and said, you know, Hey, would you mind in there? Like, you know, no autographs in the hotel or whatever, but you know, he, he said, um, yeah, I'll sign a baseball for you, but you need to, you, you got to do a favor for me. And I was like, yeah, sure. What? And he's like, carry, carry my bag for me to the park. Cause I mean, the, the hotel was a little, I mean, you just walked kind of like across the street to the old Arlington stadium. Yeah. And um, so I very happy, I thought I was like on cloud nine carrying, you know, Wait, boxes, briefcase, as you know, different people, you know, swarmed into, you know, get their card signed or their ball signed or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I just trotted along happily beside him, you know, little 14 year old blissed out and, uh, <laughs> you know, and got him, you know, got him to the little gate and was like, thank you very much. So guys, the book is Pinnacle on the Mound, Cy Young Award winners talk baseball. Doug Wedge is the author, W-E-D-G-E. He has a website, DougWedge.com. You can follow him on on his website and uh, he has a a really interesting blog there. The book is available on Amazon.com and anywhere books are sold. What's been the reaction? I saw that you had a nice um, review from Bill, Bill Lee, the spaceman. Oh, yeah. Um, on your website, that must have been uh, nice to see that, that a former pitcher enjoyed your book. Oh, yeah. No, he was so nice. And I mean, he, he was like, you know, this is all serendipity because, he, you know, Lomborg was his teammate and he grew up playing with a um, Mike McCormick model glove. And he's just like, ah, this is perfect, you know. And he made his big league debut with um, uh, like five lessons written in his Mike McCormick glove from his dad, you know? And uh, so it was just really, it, it was gratifying to, 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 to hear his kind words and praise. Um, one of my favorite novelists is um, Richard Ford. In fact, I, mean, I think he is my favorite novelist. Um, he lives up in, he's up in Maine. Um, and I think he follows the Red Sox a, a, a fair amount. But um, yeah, I read Richard Ford novels every, every year. I'll reread them. 
Um, and just on a lark, I, I contacted him while the, the book was in production and said, you know, I just wrote him a letter said, I love your novels. Uh, would you be willing to read the manuscript? And he actually, he emailed back. I was surprised. Um, and uh, he's like, yeah, you can send it. But um, just be aware that, you know, I really do not care for what passes for a lot of what passes is uh, sports writing these days. But, yeah, go ahead and send it. So I sent it so with then, trepidation. You, you send it off. Yeah. And I didn't hear I, I, I was like very anxiously checking my email all the time. You know, you know this Ford responded this Ford in like months pass. And I just assumed like, well, I kind of fell in that category of the sports writing that he doesn't care for. Um, but then um, the uh, playoffs were on. Uh, I forgot what, I guess it was 2020 or 2021. Playoffs were on. I was sitting in my kitchen table and Richard Ford pops up in my email box. And I was like, oh. And so I, I, <laughs> did your heart I, stop there for a second or did you like, oh, oh no, I did. And he was like, you know, Mr. Wedge, you, the, you have written like the most enjoyable book. And, and he wrote a blurb about it. And I was like, Holy, I mean, I, I started crying because I was like, I've been reading Richard Ford novels for, you know, 20, 25 years. And, you know, and a lot of what you hear is like criticism of like, oh, why didn't you interview Steve Carlton? Well, he didn't agree to an interview. Right. <laughs> you know, right. If I if he said yes, I would have had Nolan Ryan and Steve Carlton. I know Nolan Ryan's never won a Cy Young, I don't think. Uh, no, but I mean, like, I mean, I would I would have talked with anyone, you know. Um, but you know, I mean, so it, it was just so gratifying that, you know, like one of your heroes, uh, and someone whose work that you like, you enjoy and that you've enjoyed for a number of years, gave you a pat on the back when I really wasn't expecting one. I was, I mean, I was on cloud nine and I'm kind of like, you know, that I'm, I'm good, you know, <laughs> I'm good. Richard Ford read it. And then Richard Ford, like said something kind about it. I'm set. Guys, we're talking with Doug Wedge. Doug Wedge has a brand new book. It's it's new book came out last year. It's called Pinnacle on the Mound. It's a Cy Young Award winners talk baseball. Guys, I'm going to give away a free copy of the book. All you have to do is just send me an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com. In the subject line, just write Cy Young, and we'll we'll give away a, a copy of Doug's book um, next week. It's not autographed, it's not signed, but I'm still going to give it away. It's a great book. It's a great read, guys. If you you know you want to go uh, pick it up, it's available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. Pinnacle on the Mound, Doug Wedge, D O U G W E D G E. Put it in uh, your Amazon, you'll find it. Pinnacle on the Mound is a fabulous book. I think, Doug, I literally, I think I, it took me three days to read it. I, I couldn't put it down. I, I was just flying through it because I, I loved it that much. So it was, it was very enjoyable. Well, good. Thank you so much. I'm glad it was accessible. I don't I hope it wasn't like unwieldy or, you know, difficult to read. So, I mean, and really, no, I you know to what? put as much I of the player's voice as possible. I purposely did not read the uh, table of contents because I didn't want to know who the pictures you fe you you featured mm -hmm. on. So I, I literally opened up to chapter one, started with Jim Lomborg, mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, who's next? Give me the next yeah. guy. Give me the next guy. And so I was always surprised on who was going to be covered. Sorry, I let the cat, cat out of the bag if you listen to this interview because we covered all the, the 10 guys. And uh, as an autograph collector, I think eight out of the 10 guys that you interviewed are pretty 
good signers through the mail and, and good autograph signers. One of my thoughts was to take the book and send it around to these guys and have them all sign it because I think that would be a, a, be a great, cool to be. great souvenir. Uh, so I'm going to give that 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 job to someone because uh, it, it'd be it's a great book to get autographed. Uh, we have Corey, Corey Kluber and Jim Lomborg are on the cover and the, all these chapters on all these guys. So I want to thank you for writing it. Thank you for your time today. It was really a, a great to hear about your process and your thoughts on the guys you covered. And guys, again, if you want to win a copy of Doug Wedger's book, I'm giving away for free. All you have to do is send me an email, ttmcast at yahoo.com, and we'll pick a winner next week. And if you want to purchase the book, it's well worth the money, guys. Check it out, Pinnacle on the Mound on Amazon. Doug, anything else before I let you go? Man, I can't thank you enough. You've been so kind to spend your time with the book and then to spread the word about it. Thank you. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Appreciate the support. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck with the book. And when you get the next one out, let me know. I think I have to go back and buy the Charlie O'Brien book. I check it out. See what you think. I also wrote one about baseball in Alabama. So, All right. Well, I think I... Baseball I think we'll I think we'll go for Charlie O'Brien next. Okay, <laughs> all right, Doug. It, thank you, my friend. Nice talking baseball with you on this cold winter day, and uh, looking forward to the next book you got coming out. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. Gotten a copy of the book. You can uh, register when a copy of Doug's book. We're going to give away. It's not autographed, but I do have a copy of Doug books. Doug's book to give away. So we will give that away. Um, on we'll do it. We'll give it away on our next. Um, TTMcast one-on-one. All right. So we will give it away on our next TTMcast one-on-one. Um, just send it uh, to us at TTMcast at yahoo.com. In the tie in the subject line, just put wedge book or a baseball book or something like that that you, you want to raffle off. You want to win it uh, re- register when we'll give it away uh, next Wednesday, our next Wednesday show. Um, so I want to thank Doug for, for joining us. He was a uh, a great a great guest we have all sorts of i have so many interviews scheduled and cool interviews in in the can so to speak so really uh i'm looking forward to some great one-on-one shows uh, i want to make sure you listen to our ttm cast show on saturday where drew and i have uh have the marathon shows right Drew, we're not doing three-hour shows anymore but this show saturday is going to probably might be two and a half hours Drew, because I had a great interview with David Merrick. David is the senior vice president of marketing for the Somerset Patriots. They are the Yankees double A farm team. And David is also a collector. He just completed the 1971 and 72 top set. So we talk collecting. We talk all um, some of the stuff, what it's like to work in a double A team, some of the promotions and things that they've got going on. So we will have that. Uh, we will hear from David on Saturday, Dave Merrick. We also uh, had a, an hour interview with Clemente yesterday. So we have a nice long interview with Clemente. Clemente and I talk everything from football to hockey to cl- uh, soccer collectibles and all sorts of stuff. Clemente is a uh, he, he's a great content guy as well, and he he's written a couple of articles for sports collectors. Um, digest as well as on puck junk so we're going to talk to clemente lisi as well we'll hear from him uh we'll have all our regular segments right drew absolutely yeah, we've got a real full show it sounds like there yeah it's gonna be a good show and we will uh raffle off we're gonna raffle off david bell's book about fakes frauds and such and, and myths so if you want to register to win david's book you still have time to register for that what do you have to do drew Send your name and address to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Put Bell Book in the subject line.
There you go. Thank you. Well, next week, next Wednesday, we have Roger Mason. Roger Mason played 10 seasons in the major leagues. He was a pitcher with uh, seven different teams. And talked to Roger about his career, about signing uh, cards through the mail. And uh, he's kind of a a neat guy. So we talked to him about pitching and a lot of other stuff. We have That's Roger Mason next week on TTM Cast 101. Uh, Drew, anything else before I, I let you go? I think we're pretty well covered on here, of course. And we'll have uh, hopefully a lot of T-Tims to talk about there on Saturday. I've got at least one that I'll be able to mention then. So better than last week. Yeah, hopefully our mailboxes are full. Uh, I want to wish everyone many happy returns. We'll see you on Saturday. Be good. (laughs) 